Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Wednesday Conversation. I'm Bethany Gilbert, and I'm here with Pastor Bob Thune and Pastor Dusty White of Quorum Deo Church, and Pastor Chris Hemmelman of First City Church. Every Wednesday, we sit down to talk about how the gospel of Jesus Christ connects to the questions and issues of everyday life. Today, we're asking the question, does God heal? I'll tell you what he's going to need to heal me from is eating these cinnamon rolls. Wow. We so are, good. Yeah, you didn't introduce our fourth or our fifth guest, which is <laughs> Cinnamon Rolls cinnamon from rolls. Amos. Com. Listener Amos. I'm going to take a bite right now. <laughs> There's just a huge pan of homemade cinnamon rolls. They're, they're so fresh. Good. The middle of our recording table. And Bethany, why? Why did Amos make these cinnamon rolls? Amos made these cinnamon rolls because it is my last episode. What? Of the Wednesday conversation. Wow. wow. No. It's, hang on. There's more listeners. It's because Bethany's been withholding news from our listening <laughs> yeah, audience for get it literally all months. So let's tell the See, whole it, it tell can, the whole story. It can be a happy and it's sad such, thing. It's such a happy thing <laughs> that you listeners are like, wait, Bethany's leaving the Wednesday conversation. Answer yes. But why? To have a child. <laughs> wow. You're gonna have a baby? Yes. That's happening. Hopefully, maybe by the time this comes out. I was yeah. going to say, possibly by the time She'll you hear this here. episode, she yeah. may be in the world. But yeah. Bethany has been pregnant for the last nine months. <laughs> yeah. And I kept asking, like, hey, are you going to tell our listeners? And she's like, well, I don't know. And so here we are. It's like, now you find out and literally, like, you're going to find out. And then the next thing you're going to know, <laughs> Bethany's posting pictures of a baby. And you'll be like, wait, what's up? So if you're a listener for, from, like, Ohio, yeah. you're like, I had no idea. Yeah. And yeah, that's because all that happens tell you. in the space of the I'm last sorry. three minutes of listening space, that all happened. <laughs> Bethany got pregnant. She had a baby and it was her last we just, episode. We Boom. just rocked a lot of people's worlds. <laughs> Boom. So like we the are the old Testament. It know? is. We are so thrilled for Bethany and, and her husband, Alan. So this has been a joy to celebrate, but it's also sad for us because obviously this is Bethany's very last episode ever. Yeah. I've spent... The last eight years editing, at least editing these episodes in the last, what, three or four years on the podcast? Yeah. I can't remember when I actually came on the podcast. Yeah. It was Mike and I split up when he went on a sabbatical. I took over for him for a little bit. And then, That's right. And then yeah. you've been here ever since. We decided we'll keep you. He can <laughs> we'll go get do rid of else. Mike. Yeah. And then Amos decided, well, in, in honor of Bethany, I'm going to make the world's best cinnamon rolls ever. <laughs> and I'm going to bring way more than you actually need. Yeah. So not only did, have we each are, already eaten one, but there's like seven more. <laughs> Dusty's yeah. going for more. Hey, nope, buddy, nope, stay, nope. stay back. <laughs> Amazing. They're good. They are good. We have a question from a listener that teed up this topic. First, I want to read feedback from another listener. Lisa Grace in Seattle. I thought this was cool. I just like when listeners reach out and say things that are encouraging. So I wanted to read a, a selection from an email that she sent. She says, thank you for the Wednesday conversation. I appreciate all of your voices so, so much. You put into thoughtful biblical words so much of what I'm thinking and feeling as a Christian in today's world. I have dear friends and family on staff at churches and who have completely walked away from God because of church abuse. I have family who lean alt-right and some who lean far left. I live in Seattle where the current ideologies of the world are so boldly proclaimed that it can feel like every decision I make is against the tide. I'm a mom of young children who has over and over again been encouraged by the topics you've engaged in on raising children and parenting. And here's the kicker. 
my longstanding small group has been reading through the wonderful works of God. Thanks to you. Yeah. Boom. So that sounds like a great small group, man. Thank you, Lisa Grace for sharing that with us. Um, really encouraged by how God is at work in your life and by your faithfulness to him in a part of the world that sometimes is hard to find faithful, um, Christian fellowship. in. so we're excited that you're a listener and thanks for sending us an email. Let us know. I want to read the question sent to us by another, uh, listener who is a person known to Dusty and I, she's in our church, a person walking through active cancer right now. And she asked us to talk about healing. What does the Bible say about it? Why do Christians claim they can heal someone? What does this mean for the person receiving the healing when it doesn't happen? Specifically thinking about the faith healing movement, how can I respond to someone who tells me they are praying, praying healing over me or even claiming healing for me? While healing is something I want for myself, I have no idea if that is God's plan for me. There's so much to unpack in this topic. And I resonate with this because if you have walked through suffering or physical ailment for any length of time, you've probably had somebody say, I'm claiming some healing for you in the name of Jesus or something like that. And you're just wondering like, yeah, what do I do with that? What do I do with that? Why do people do that? That's the question. Why do people claim to be healing you? There are a lot of tribes of Christianity, Dusty, and there's a lot of diversity in the room, you know? Yeah, it's tough when I've experienced that, because on the one hand, I'm like, I'm glad you're praying for me. I love your faith, but there's also this, I also don't like your theology. So I'm like, <laughs> I'll, I'll take your faith. I'll take that. I'll take the prayers. But yeah, the theology, I'm like, uh, what do I do with that? So I thought this was a good opportunity to do a little biblical theology of healing. Talk about how does God heal? When does God heal? What does the Bible say about God's healing of us? And, um, how should we react and respond to various people who might say various things? So I wanted to start just by reading from the scriptures uh, from Isaiah 53, because I think this is a foundational text for remembering the baseline reality that physical healing is in the promises of redemption. Uh, Isaiah 53, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And by his wounds, we are healed. And so Isaiah speaks of the suffering servant as one who is going to bring both forgiveness or redemption from our transgressions, but also by whose wounds we will be healed. And so this promise uh, is picked up and carried throughout the rest of the Old Testament. And in Matthew chapter 8, when Jesus um, heals many, here's what, here's what Matthew tells us. When Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law dying sick with, or lying sick with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her. And she rose and began to serve him. That evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons And he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. So Matthew notes the fulfillment of Isaiah's words in the healing ministry of Jesus, physically healing people during his presence here on earth. And so um, the scriptures expect us to read 
Jesus' physical healing of people as a manifestation of his messianic presence and character. And then, of course, as we continue through the New Testament, we see in the book of Acts, Jesus has died, been raised from the dead, ascended back into heaven, but we see the apostles healing people who are sick. And uh, you have, of course, the famous healing in Acts chapter 4 of the man who's lame, and um, or maybe that's Acts chapter 3. And then they get in trouble because they healed this guy in the name of Jesus. And of course, the uh, powers that be don't love that. And so it's Peter and John who uh, take this guy by the hand and say, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. It, so, so what I'm saying is it's hard to read the Bible, whether Old Testament or New Testament, and not be convinced that, yeah, God does heal people. I mean, healing is a real thing. God heals people. Healing is part of what Jesus came to bring. And part of the redemption of creation involves the restoration of the way things ought to be, which includes healing. So we have to, as good Christians and good readers of the Bible, say, yes, healing is a real thing. God heals people. Where that leaves us, the question that leaves is, does God heal everybody? Does God only heal some people? Will God heal me? If so, how does God heal me? If he doesn't heal me, why doesn't he heal me? There's all kinds of questions surrounded to the particularity of healing. But I think the place we need to start is just to acknowledge, yes, God heals, and specifically part of Christ's redeeming work is to fulfill the prophecies that when the Messiah comes, he will come with healing in his wings, as Malachi says. So with that, the the wrong approach, and when we get into some maybe some of the extremes, uh, but the wrong approach to that is to go to the other extreme to deny that God heals. So there may, as we'll talk about, there's some abuses on this, but we... We can't overcorrect to say, no, God doesn't heal today when scripture clearly lays that out, that the healing is a, is part of our reality. Yes. And scripture calls us to call upon the elders so that they would pray for us to receive healing. Right. James so five. You, yeah. You'd have to rip some verses out of your Bible to go that route, Chris. Yeah. Yeah. So the question then becomes, okay. Oh, and by the way, I want to mention a couple things from, from church history, because I thought this was interesting. I pulled out um, some notes on a book. I had read on divine healing years ago from Keith Bailey, who is now deceased, but an old older theologian. And he traced the fact that um, this, the, the reality of divine healing through the prayers of God's people. So not like some person, like faith healer type of things, but just the, the reality of like God's people coming and praying for one another and experiencing healing has been present all throughout the history of the church. And uh, he mentions the Waldensians, who are this uh, early sect right before the Reformation. They're a, a secluded community of Christians living in the Alps, and they were basically reformers before the Reformation. I mean, they were a very committed to the purifying of the church. And they were almost like this little um, cell group of really Jesus-loving Christians within some of the abuses of the medieval church. The Waldensian Confession of 1431 contains these words. Sick persons, when they ask it, may lawfully be anointed with the anointing oil by one who joins with them in praying that it may be efficacious to the healing of the body according to the design and end and effect mentioned by the apostles. So there you have, in the 15th century, a group of Christians acknowledging, yep, the apostles said pray for one another, anoint one another with oil for healing. We believe that's what God does when we ask for it. Um, so you have this not just in the scriptures, but throughout church history. He, uh, Bailey also mentions uh, Charles Spurgeon, who saw many people healed by his prayers in the course of pastoral visitation. 
he mentions the fact that we can see these themes of people asking God for healing and experiencing healing all throughout church history. And so this seems to be present throughout the history of the church. And it's also um, very common. I mean, if you've walked with Jesus long enough, you've heard stories of like people are just like, yep, I know some quacky people who might make stories up, but I also know some people like, yeah, I trust them. And they have a story of God healing them in some powerful way from a physical ailment or sickness or malady. And, you know, once you've heard some of those stories from people that you know are credible, you're like, well, what do you do with that? You either have to say, nah, that never happened, or you must have taken some Tylenol, or no, actually, that was the real deal. Taking some Tylenol. <laughs> that's, that was wow, a facetious that's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> say that's, a, that's quite the confusion there. I mean, in a sense, I don't, you know, in a sense, Bethany, we could say like, yeah, the, what you're experiencing right now is yeah. an aspect of God's divine healing, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And so this is real. This whole topic of healing for me gets really close to home because my wife is going on year seven with a fever of unknown origin. And I can assure you that we have had the elders pray over her, anoint her with oil, pleaded with the Lord for healing, and it hasn't happened. And simultaneously, I can tell you that as a pastor, I've prayed for people. And then later on, they have said, even during the seven years, hey, uh, we couldn't get pregnant and we got pregnant that Sunday or, you know, the, right in that time frame of you praying for us that particular Sunday, we conceived. Or Chris, one of my favorite stories where the Lord really uses this in my life is from a family in your church now. And years ago, probably 15 years ago, prayed for their daughter who was having these seizures and we prayed and she stopped having seizures. Yeah. Yeah. And so I can point to real life stories and humans where the healing work of God has happened, even though it hasn't necessarily happened under my roof. And the other weird thing is if you talk to enough doctors, everybody in the medical community will say, yeah, there's something about like people who have folks show up and pray for them. They just have better outcomes. Like mm -hmm. it's, it's verifiable. Like, the medical community will say like, yeah, you know what? I, I, I may not believe in God, but I just know that like, yeah, when people are religious and folks come in and pray for them, they, they have better outcomes. And so whether you're talking from a, a Christian perspective of having seen this or from like a very skeptical medical perspective of just having to acknowledge like, well, something happened. Yeah. We've, we've, we've got these kinds of stories. And like you said, Dusty, the complexity of it is like, yep, I can tell stories of both people who have not been healed and people who have been. And so that gets to the heart, I think, of the question that our friend here is asking is why Why do Christians claim they can heal someone? Um, or what do you do with someone saying, I'm claiming healing for you in the name of Jesus? I would say one of the reasons that Christians would do that, well, partly out of ignorance, they would do it out of a theological ignorance. They would also do it mostly because they don't like your suffering. And so what they want to do is they want to super theologize it and hover above it in a sense of, or in a way of saying, I don't like your suffering. So let's figure out how to, I'm going to just pray it away, Chris. Yeah. And that's a, man, that's, I mean, that's a fair critique. I mean, not to say that, put that on everybody who does that, but, but it is a, it's this weird way of spiritualizing suffering to put a barrier to say, rather than enter in, I'm going to do this. And, and I'll, I'll say if I, again, experience on in various ways with folks like that. And I want to be charitable here, but 
it is, it does seem like that there is this component when someone embraces that in unhealthy ways, their ability to emotionally handle people's suffering and engage for the long term seems to be less. Now I, you know, again, why those things are the case, but I, I want to just, yeah, Dusty, to, from my experience with folks like that, that seems to be one of the dynamics going on. Um, I want to mention <clears throat> just a theological tradition here that, that I think answers some of why this is out there. Mm-hmm. So there is a movement within, um, I was loose, what you would loosely call evangelicals. I don't know if you can call it a super evangelical movement, but uh, the word of faith tradition, uh, which is very prominent in places like Tulsa, Oklahoma. There's a whole word of faith training school there. This is kind of like prosperity gospel. Like word of faith is pr- closely aligned with the prosperity gospel. But what these people would say is that like um, the operative thing is faith. And so all you have to do is claim by faith the healing that God has already given you. And the reason you're not being healed is because you're not exercising faith and claiming it. And so there is this sort of like name it and claim it, you know, call on God for your healing and count on it as being yours and it will happen. And I think that movement is tremendously theologically aberrant, but it has influenced a lot of North and South American Christianity. So Mm -hmm. in almost every city and in almost every church, you will have people who either grew up in word of faith churches or their aunt goes to a word of faith church or you know, there's someone in their life somewhere who's saying things to them like, well, you know what? I'm just going to claim healing for you in the name of Jesus. And, you know, yeah. the Lord wants to heal you. And he gave me a dream and he told me he's going to heal. I mean, this, you know, it's, it's all about like what I need to do is name it and speak it into reality. And this is a theologically aberrant and non-biblical in its origin, but it is very pervasive, surprisingly, in, in lots and lots of our towns and cities. Yeah. And even folks in that movement, I, I folks that I've known, they won't even acknowledge that they have a sickness or something. It's like, don't say that. Don't claim that. Claim the healing. Don't claim the sickness. And so even an acknowledgement of suffering, this goes back to what you're saying, Dusty, is, is almost a, a lack of faith. And so it just, it goes really deep with the the way that this is off. Yes. So that's why I'm answering this question of like, um, why, does, why do some Christians claim they can heal someone? I think it's because of that word of faith influence. And I've, I've had some friends in that movement and actually done some sort of deep study and even sort of apologetic debates with people in that tradition. And it, it, there's a strange emphasis on the word, on the, on the power of our words. And so the reason it's called word of faith and the reason, the reason they would yeah. say, Chris, like, don't claim that, claim this, is because they really believe that like what we speak has power. Yeah. And of course, there's a sense in which that's true biblically, but not in the way that they're saying it. And so what they would say is... Um, you don't claim or speak sickness, you claim or speak healing. And that, you know, the reason there's sort of this aura of positivity and let's not talk about the hard things, the sad things, let's not name the sickness, let's not enter in with you is, is sort of because that whole movement believes that's part of the problem. Yeah. And that's yeah. going to keep you chained in the shackles of sickness or lack of healing. And so what you need to do is claim it. Yeah. So clarify that point you made there's a sense in which it's biblically true what we say matters or, or has effect versus this version that that takes it too far. What, what Where would you put the biblical sort of version of that? Well, I just think that all the emphasis in the Old Testament on blessing, mm-hmm. right? And the yeah. blessing of the patriarchs, the blessing of God, like these are spoken words. When you think, look at the end of Genesis and look at Jacob blessing his 12 sons, there's there's a power that those, a prophetic power that those words are intended to have and the Bible seems to take that for granted. Where that's 
I think, tweaked in the word of faith tradition is to say that now every Christian is imbued, our words are automatically imbued with that same kind of dramatic God speaking kind of power. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. You might have. No, and that's what I would say that the it's, it's trying to take the creative power, like God speaks Genesis one and there's power, creative power and trying to imbue that in us to an extent that goes far beyond what scripture allows to where now that, that, that somehow, because I acknowledge suffering, that that's going to create more suffering for me rather than just, I'm just speaking what is, I'm just saying, using words to acknowledge what is true. So, so it, it, it almost, yeah, this hinges this creative power on our words that goes fa- far beyond what I think biblical, um, like what you're pointing out is what, what our speech actually does do. So if you are on the receiving end of that, somebody claiming healing, like how, how do you receive it? Do you receive it? That's the question she smile? asked you. Is like, yeah, how can I respond to someone who tells me they are claiming healing for yeah. me? Yeah, that's a fair question. And I, I would just say, you know, it obviously depend, depends a little bit on your relational equity with the person. But I would say, hey, thanks for praying for me. That's all you really need to be doing. Instead of claiming things for me, mm. just pray things for me. Because I think if you keep it in the prayer category, it's biblical. If you put it into the claim category, now mm. we're getting real slippery. Yeah, it's good. I do think one of my, <laughs> I just want people to be biblical. Yeah. And so one of the things that's so clear to me from James chapter five and the command given, right? Um, is any of you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them anoint him with oil and pray for him in the name of the Lord. It's so clear to me that this is an action the church is to be taking with one another. Yeah. And so part of the word of faith thing combined with sort of the Pentecostal emphasis on supernatural gifts does lead some people to either claim or believe that they have the gift of healing and that they can sort of go around and heal people. And I don't entirely want to minimize the possibility that God does use us to heal one another, yet the means of that seems in Scripture to always be me humbly coming to the church and saying, hey, can you all pray for me? And so it's not like, hey, Chris has the gift of healing. Chris, can you come and just wave your handkerchief on my forehead and heal me of my diseases. But it's actually like me coming and saying, Hey guys, I have this going on and I'd like to be prayed for. And that, that seems to be the operative. In other words, this is for the community of God's people to exercise with and among one another, not for some anointed apostolic like leader who sort of like hovers over everybody and just does the healing. Yeah. And with that, I think it's important to highlight that within the biblical narrative, the ministry of Jesus and the ministry of the apostles had a certain unique redemptive purpose yes. at the time. The kingdom of God, the, the the gospel, like it it was unique. And so while God still heals, the way that they did it, that more direct healing, and even you even see this, like I mean, you see Jesus doing that, but then as you get into the further into the New Testament, the frequency and the regularity of that isn't the same. And even to the, the, the example you cited in Acts, what do Peter and John highlight in the midst of that? It's, hey, the healing, that's great, but what you really need to know is that salvation comes through yes. Christ. So the healing was always intended to point to Christ. And I think within these word of faith movements, that actually gets put into the background many times. It's, it is about the actual healing and the blessing and the physical aspect rather than these are signs pointing to the kingdom of God. So I think to your point, what you were saying about where, where do people get this idea of being an apostolic healer and, and that kind of thing, 
it's a misreading of the ministry of Jesus and the apostles. Well, and I'm glad you mentioned the kingdom of God, because I think what we need to keep in mind here is the reason these are the signs of the coming of the kingdom is because of the prophecies in places like Isaiah and Malachi, that when the Messiah comes, part of what he's going to bring is the renewal of creation, right? The undoing of the curse, the full flourishing of human beings. And so there is a sense in which the healing miracles attest to the coming of redemption. And yet, already not yet, right? So like we're not in the new heavens and the new earth. And so what we should expect in the interim period, which going all the way back to the New Testament and up until now, is that there will be healings in various times and various places for God's various reasons. And also there won't be. Like Lazarus was raised from the dead and then guess what? He had to die again. Die again, yeah. That's history's worst thing. You get to die twice. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to be that guy. But I mean, it's like, you know, people say like, Jesus raised him from the dead. Yep. And then you know what else? He died again. And everyone who will experience physical healing in reality right now is still going to experience death because the new, the new heavens and new earth aren't here yet. So this sign of the kingdom is not every sick person is healed. The sign of the kingdom is God is present and his kingdom has come. And so it's breaking in. Yeah, And in, good. in various moments, it is going to bring physical healing to people, but not every person who asks for it. And it's not because they're a bad Christian or don't have enough faith or God doesn't love them. We don't know why God in some cases will choose to heal and in some cases won't. But we also, you know, to use the, the New Testament sort of reasoning, right? There are, Jesus also didn't heal every single leper, only the ones that he encountered yeah. in his personal yeah. ministry. So you can imagine there's lots of people even in his day who were not supernaturally healed by him. And yet the kingdom he made available was still open to them. And they were welcomed into it. Yeah. Everything you just said, Bob, also, I have to embrace mystery to believe everything you just said. And that means that I have to embrace the mystery of whether I get healed or don't get healed, God can advance his glory in both parties. And I think that actually takes an open-mindedness and a bigger and deeper faith than just a claiming kind of faith healer. Yes. Great example. The Apostle Paul. Now, I know there's mm-hmm. different readings about how the, what the, the thorn in the flesh is, but a very strong one is that it was some sort of physical ailment. And he says, I asked three times and the Lord says, no. So however you want to interpret it, what we do have to come to grips with is there are times where we can pray for some sort of good and the Lord says, no. And he has his reasons. He has, and what is the reason? My, my power is perfected in your weakness. Like through your suffering, my power is actually going to be at work. And so the fact that God doesn't heal doesn't mean there's a lack of faith. It means he has something that he is up to that's very important and very powerful. It also doesn't mean that his his glory is not on display. If you even go to John chapter 9 when you're talking about when the when the scriptures are talking about Jesus healing the man who's born blind, the the disciples are worried about who's the sinner in this moment. Was it his parents or was it him? You know, why was he born blind? What's the deal here? And then that ends in verse three that it says, Jesus says, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. And then people like to invert this text and then say, and use it to say, well, Bob, don't you think God would be glorified too if he just healed you like he, like he did in this chapter? And I would just say, and he's also glorified if you live with if that. We trust him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If we trust him, Chris, to your point, if we live with that thorn in your side, you're discipling me as you live with that thorn. I want to bring it to sort of ground level for the average person here. The question 
is asked like, you know, hey, how do I, how do I respond to someone who's claiming healing for me? But what I want to encourage the church, God's people to do is actually to pray for a measure of faith in praying for one another. Because I think I, I see two mistakes here maybe like an over-realized eschatology and an under-realized eschatology, yeah. right? The over-realized eschatology is like, if we just pray for you in faith, God's going to heal you. So it's kind of that word of faith mistake. But the other mistake is I've seen, I've been in rooms praying with people who are like, well, God, you probably don't want to do anything. And we just trust your sovereignty. I, <laughs> yeah. guess, I mean, if you yeah. want to heal yeah. this yeah. person, I guess go ahead. But we, you know, <laughs> yeah. you're probably not gonna. Yeah. And so I'm like, well, that's not a room. If I'm sick, I don't want that group of people praying for me. Yeah. I want someone who we believes yeah. that God yeah. might yeah. do something. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. And so I want to encourage Christians to have this sense of that if we read the New Testament rightly, we ought to be able to hold together. God does heal, but not always. When he does, it's through the prayers of his people. And the, the spiritual gifts are given to the body for the work of ministry. And so instead of like the right way to think about the gift of healing, if there is such a thing, which I'm not convinced the scriptures speak of a gift of healing as much as they speak of gifts of faith and so forth. But the right way to think about it is not that Chris is a faith healer and to go to him and have him pray for me, but that, man, it might be that when I come and ask the elders to anoint me with oil and pray for me in the name of the Lord, that one of those people praying for me the Lord is going to give them in that moment the grace through their prayers to be a means of his healing of me. Yeah. And that's not like a like the story you told, Dusty, of the the girl with the seizures that you prayed for. I believe in that moment God gave you the gift of healing or healed you heal her through your prayers. That doesn't mean you're a healer. And it doesn't mean it yeah, doesn't right. mean the next person you pray for that that same thing yeah. is going to happen. It means that we need to believe that the spirit works through our prayers for one another. And so when I go to, pr- when I go to pray with somebody now, I'm just asking the Lord for like, God, give me faith to believe you want to heal this. Yeah. Person. yeah. And let yeah. me, let me pray like in a way that believes that you want to do something here. It's so good. And yeah. I really think that that disposition of like, God, would you show up in this moment through our prayers is the thing that glorifies God because it's a very flat democratic <laughs> spirit honoring. It's not like, do I have the gift of healing or don't I, you know, it's just, God, we need you to show up and Man. we're desperate for your presence. Why don't you come and work through this moment in this person's life in whatever ways you want to? Yeah, we we were we went through James this past spring and I remember preaching James 5 on this passage to, to have the elders, you know, call for the elders to pray. And one of the things I did is I, I said to our church, hey, this is actually an area that the elders of First City need to own, we need to grow in. Like we need to have this ministry more present in our church. But the other thing that I, I really challenged our church on is, Hey, let's stop hedging in our prayers. Mm-hmm. I said, you wouldn't go, Lord, if it's your will, will you save this person? It's like, no, we just say, Lord, save this person. Like we believe <laughs> now God in his sovereignty may save them or not, but we pray in faith for that to happen. Why do we not do that with healing? And and so I, I was challenging our church of like, Hey, we, we don't need to remind God that he's sovereign. He knows he's sovereign. And, and we don't, there's this weird thing that we do. Is that for ourselves? So like, God, I just want you to know that I know you're sovereign. Is it hedging our emotions of like, <laughs> just saying, if it's your will as a way for me to like hedge against disappointment. I think we do these things internally rather than just, let's just pray. And let's, if we have good, if, if our minds have been formed and our hearts have been formed by scripture that we know, like you just pointed out, there is a tension in this, but let's pray in faith because that's what God's called us to do. And like you said, the ministry of the church and all that. So I think that's a such an important word 
especially for, I think, largely our listeners and our tribe is yeah. let's not overreact to the faith movement by hedging and praying small prayers. No small prayers. We're pretty quick to drop sovereignty cards and theologize yeah. really quick yeah. about when it comes to healing. Chris, what's your answer to Bethany's question a while ago or the, the one that Bob just mentioned again? Like, what do you say? What would you say to the person who's saying, I'm coming to you. I, claiming healing <laughs> this, for you. This yeah. person's claiming healing for me. Yeah, so. I think again, what's I, your I typically am, am like, thank you. You know, I like, I, I sort of like, I know where it's coming from a good place. You're, you're, you're praying for me and I appreciate that. So I don't want to like shut that down. So, so I sort of just absorb it, I think personally, but I liked what you, what you said, if, if there's a need for a correction, uh, Hey, pray for me. You don't necessarily need to claim things for me, but so I have to, I have to chew on that, but I'm, you know, typically I'm just like, thank you. I appreciate it. Man, I want to claim a lot of things. If, if <laughs> yeah, is that something we can do? <laughs> Let's come yeah, to think of it. Hey, while you're at it, will you claim a new car for me and some money so I can fix my house? You know, I like know. there's I saw lots you of roll things. up in yeah. the Civic. It looked yeah. kind of nice. <laughs> Needs a wash. Bethany, how how long did you walk through a season of uh, infertility and struggles? Uh, so basically around a decade. Yeah. So over 10 time. years. And, and so you like lived in the highs and lows of this of like- oh, yeah being prayed for people claiming things for you. I had a weird experience one time where a woman that I didn't know, uh, very well, but was sitting around a table with her at a women's retreat. She, um, I, I had shared that we had struggled with infertility and I, you could just kind of tell that like, she didn't really know what to do with like the angst of it. And later she like slipped me a note that was kind of this saying the same thing. Like I'm, I prayed and claimed healing for you. And I was just like, what do I do with this? Um, and I was thankful that it was a note, not right to my face. Cause I think my face would have been like, what? <laughs> but, um, yeah, yeah. So I've definitely been on this side of it now. It's been a huge answer to prayer, but kind of what you were saying, like, I think walking alongside of, or I would say bringing it to, um, like our gospel community and the people in the church and inviting people in to pray for it is just, has been way more meaningful in like growing my faith. And I think growing the faith of the people that were also praying for us and, and seeing that prayer answered or seeing that healing come. So, yeah. yeah. And there was, you know, there was other means involved, right? Other right, right. F- good Christian medical doctors and yeah. people. So this, there's not a, there's also not an either or here of like, does God either supernaturally heal or are we free to pursue the means that God's given in the world? There's always a both and there. And I think that's important to remember because sometimes the word of faith movement can be like, you know, there's like extreme versions of that that are like, Chris, why would you ever go to a doctor? Just pray about it, you know? And so I think it's been fun to see in your story, Bethany, like all of that, the the longevity of your faith, the ups and downs of the seasons you guys have walked through, the ways you've asked and brought community into it, the ways that people have prayed for you over the long term Mm -hmm. and asked God for various things in various moments. And then just your sort of steadfast journeying along that journey and, and sort of like, you know, sort of like when it happened, it was like the most amazing yeah. day in all of our lives, right? It was like everybody <laughs> celebrated because we we're like, well, we've been praying for that for a, a long very time. long time, you know? And so it was really, 
satisfying and honoring to the Lord, I think, to just get to celebrate. Yeah, beautiful. And likewise, Dusty, you know, like in your story, it's like, yeah, and we're still praying in various ways for healing for JC that the Lord still hasn't sought to bring yet or, or yeah. chosen to bring and yet. And maybe so, that'll happen someday, and so we're going to keep praying about it. Meanwhile, that story is on display, and I believe that the Lord's gaining ground and glory and discipling people around her with that as she stewards it. Well, and I think, and like, it's funny to me that both of those stories are at this table. Mm-hmm. Like, here mm-hmm. we are, right, with a story that's like a healing story and then a story that's not a healing story at the current moment and saying, like, and God is honored in all of that. And the work of prayer, faith, obedience goes on and goes forward in the midst of all of that. Um, and that's that's kind of what I want to bring to bear on these questions. And I think for this particular listener who's asking, there's been a lot of these ups and downs and a lot of moments that have felt joyful and a lot of moments that have felt burdensome. And so if you're a listener, the takeaway, if you're going to be a good gospel-centered biblical Christian is don't claim healing for people. Just pray for them in the name of Jesus. That's right. And ask God to work in their lives. But we are not word of faith people. We do not believe that you name and claim someone's healing. We do believe, however, that the God who created heaven and earth does heal and uh, that that's part of what Jesus has made possible in his atonement. So thanks for the great question. And Bethany, thanks for eight yeah. years Man, of great wow, editing. It's going to be the same. Three years of great hosting. <laughs> I don't know. Good I don't, work. Yeah. I mean, we're, maybe, you know what we should do? We should have auditions. <laughs> Among our Bethany. listeners for Please like, yeah, who's going to take Bethany's spot? We could have like a different person in every week over Ooh. a season of time and just do like a vo- thumbs up, thumbs Kinda down. Kind of like yeah. with Jeopardy when they had to replace Alex Trebek. Yeah, or, but I want to be yeah. Simon and be like, no, no, like your voice is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Bethany, what, what give us like, I don't know if there's not necessarily one, but just what has been one of the, your favorite topics that listen to Ooh. us try to talk oh, about man. in an intelligent way? Oh man, <laughs> that's a great question. Wow, I'm tr- I can't think of specific topics. There are like specific episodes that have come to mind that I'm like that episode was really funny to me. Um, I think one of, <laughs> I mean, but not funny. Like I don't know. Anytime you Chris and Bob get into it, yeah, those are always about fun. Something, those are mm, always fun. That's always fun to be in the room for. <laughs> like I wish that you guys could see. The, the arm gestures or <laughs> the, the, yeah, leaning into the microphone and passionately. Um, so there was one, uh, did Christ or did, did, yeah, did Jesus descend to the dead? Oh, that's our, that's our, our top that, argument. Yeah. That, I think I was, I just edited that one, but I could like. I ate a lot of snacks I, on that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's, but there's also an episode from early in, like early on where Mike is eating popcorn the entire oh, time. yes. And hosting, and he just gives little inputs of like the flavor of popcorn he's eating, and, and that's one of my favorite episodes. <laughs> Occasionally, we just cut loose a little bit on the Wednesday yeah. conversation. Just do some when you and Chris things. get into it, I just kind of look around for snacks. I just rummage around, <laughs> or or it's Dusty and I looking at each other yeah. like, okay, yeah. they're going at it. <laughs> it's go time. But yeah, our that's, seating that's arrangement. And in this room is also Chris and I are across the table from each other. So we can like we lean in extra lock far. In, yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. We're not going to talking yeah. about did Jesus go to hell and baptism? 
Yeah. Those are the two yeah, Bob baptism, and I's yeah. ongoing debates. You mean debates. descend to the dead? Because I don't believe you just went to hell. Okay, well, so. what's the difference? No. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> we'll it's save. the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bethany, it's a joy to celebrate with you, and we're sad to le- have you leave the recording studio, yeah. but excited for what's next for you. So thanks, thanks for all of your faithful service to our listeners these many years. Yeah, you're welcome. And thank you, listeners, for weighing in and listening in on this conversation. And thank you, Amos, for amazing cinemas. By the way, this is one of my favorite things that's happened is because I said on this podcast five or six weeks ago when Kelsey brought us popcorn, I said something like, I think Kelsey's the top baker in our church. Mm. What I did is unleashed a fury of envy in our church among the people who are good bakers. I'm "I'm not going to let that stand. Like, Nope. And so I like that, basically, I just want to continue that. I want that (laughs) healthy competition among people who are amazing chefs to continue. So Amos, thanks for rising to the top (laughs) of the depth chart at Quorum Deo as far as cinnamon roll baking. And uh, I hope someone will choose to compete with you for our next episode. Yeah. (laughs) But until until then, thanks for listening, everyone. The goal of this podcast is to equip our own church for discipleship and mission. So if you're a Christian or a church leader in another context, we thank you for listening in and we pray that this conversation might be helpful to you as you minister in your context. We love to hear from listeners. So if you have thoughts, questions, or future podcast topics, send an email to podcast at cdomaha.com. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next Wednesday for another episode of the Wednesday Conversation.